mic, this life and this game is mine. Yep, it's my time. Keep this mic dominant, intelligence is prominent. Dropping all sorts of ill gems on your conscience. Many years, I lay patient, just waiting, just building, just playing. The perfect hey, Thanks for tuning in to They Ain't Ready, the podcast about race, gender, and now economics. I'm your host, Tracy Walker. And I'm co-host Dr. L. David Stewart. Little disclaimer, the views expressed by Tracy Walker <laughs> and Dr. L. David Stewart do not represent organizations, entities, and things we represent. So these are our opinions and our opinions only, a.k.a. we finna say some shit. <laughs> yes, we about to say some stuff. So as we, <laughs> as we start this episode off and having Dr. L. David Stewart as our co-host now, we decided to dive into a topic that we've kind of heard over the news. It recently had a resurgence with the TV show Watchmen a couple years back. And so we want to talk about Black Wall Street. Okay. Y'all ready for that? So let me give you a little background about Black Wall Street and why the topic today is why we cannot resurrect a Black Wall Street. So Black Wall Street is something that don't know happened in Tulsa in the Greenwood District. And it's a prosperous African-American community in the early 20th century. Despite racial segregation and discrimination, this town and era area was able to boom and be able to develop. They had businesses, they had banks, grocery stores, anything you could think of, they pretty much had in this area, okay? And then so between the dates of May 31st, through June 1st of 1921, there was a riot that insurged. And it was a group of angry white mob that came in and destroyed this area. Um, so why that's so pivotal is because there is still discussion about why that never resurrected after that um situation happened. Um, you hear about the stories of it. This happened in 1920s and that area still has never gotten back to where it was in the 1920s. If you understand that happened, um, the time period really should have never happened. If you look at what was going on in society and the community. And so now that we're in 2024 and we're now having discussions about, uh, the black community growing and the black dollar and all these different things. We're now discussing why we cannot resurrect a black wall street. If we're almost a hundred years from now, this happened and we still are not able to reduplicate what occurred during that time period. So this is why we're kind of talking about it. So I wanted to give the historical perspective of it because I want you to kind of know, like we're not, when we're talking about black owned banks and grocery stores, we're not talking about that. We worked them. They were the owners. We were, the proprietors of these um, establishments. There was so many black owned. There was so many uh, people thriving in the community. And so it was their own community and able to sustain themselves. And we're not doing that now, are we, Dr. Stewart? Nope, not at all. Um, part of it is when we hear Black Wall Street, it's a buzz term. <clears throat> Sounds good, mm -hmm. right? It's like, we want this, what's all that? But mm -hmm kind of got to go to a historical context of why it mattered in the first place. So to give a little backstory briefly, um, 1619, 1865, it was this peculiar institution called slavery. Now, slavery, we also know is morally bankrupt mm -hmm. and a few other things. But the gist behind slavery we don't talk about often is the economics about it, right? Mm -hmm. So 
pick a European country. They came over here, particularly, you know, under the auspice of the queen in England and they wanted religious freedom and that's cool, but they wanted to make money. <laughs> so from that, you needed labor and they tried to get our American Indian brothers to be um, free labor. That didn't work out. So they decided, hey, Africa has people. Um, so they made deals with other Africans. I know people like, but, but you got to remember, somebody had to win and sell some Africans. So the losers mm -hmm. ended up taking a cruise mm -hmm. to the United States and ended up being free labor. Okay. So 1619, 1865. 1865 is the official ending of slavery with Juneteenth, you know, the holiday that Target uses now to market to make money off of us, even though most white people want to also try to discuss it, but they feel bad and try to take over it like jazz, hip hop and everything else. But I digress. You don't want the Walmart ice cream? Yeah. You know, Walmart you know, ice cream. Right. Yeah. So then there's this period called Reconstruction, which is another episode cover. Mm -hmm. So Reconstruction is roughly, let's say, 1865 to 1880 ish. It's interesting because during that time we had the first black senators and a lot of African-American black folks who came out of slavery now wanted to assert their independence. Mm -hmm. So now we're free. We want our own everything. So they're like, where are you going with this? So now we get to Black Wall Street. So now as most people post Reconstruction in the South particularly uh, had moved away, expanded a bit and you're getting into the Great Migration, people now have their own businesses all kinds of businesses. They own their own land. And now it's kind of like our country is living by the separate but equal mantra. Mm -hmm. So white folks are here, black, fo black folks are here. So we don't have to go over here for your dentists, your, your grocery stores, none of that. Mm -hmm. So Black Wall Street. So a mob of white folks were mad because black folks were doing well and also, if you're looking at economically, concurrently, what's going on in the world at this time, and a lot of people don't remember this, World War I had just ended. Mm -hmm. All right. So for you historians out there, you got to understand, a lot of black folks kind of didn't care about the war at that time. We were true isolationists because that ain't got nothing to do with us. That was going on over there in Europe, right? Yeah. Black folks doing what we doing. And, you know, black Tulsa in Tulsa, you had your own theaters, your own architecture firms and all that. White folks weren't doing so well. So guess what they decided to do? They decided to burn the town down. Mm -hmm. And people died. Businesses were, were destroyed. And again, as you all listening to our podcast, go verify everything I'm saying. I'm not making this up. It's not because I'm a doctor. You know, study to show that self-approved. Go verify. Mm -hmm. So now you have this burnt down entity. And mind you, concurrently, you have Rosewood and riots occurring all around this time. Also, just as a backdrop, World War I ended and the Harlem Renaissance is going on. And economically, the country is getting ready seven to ten years later to have the Great Depression. So keep this context together. Mm -hmm. Black folks didn't need nothing because we were surviving off of ourselves. Mm -hmm. We went to people who looked like us for business. So we went to our doctor, our dentist, our architects, our own theaters. So now you burn them down. So now we get to the question, why can't we resurrect it? Okay. I will start by saying, brother, Dr. Martin Luther King ended up before he dying saying, and I quote, we integrated into a burning house. Mm. 
that burning house of America afterward. We spent so much time fighting to be on equal rights with people who didn't deem us as equal. Socially speaking, people are going to procreate with who they procreate with, black, white, whatever. But economics in this country and black people has always been a theme that no one likes talking about. Black people were slaves for economic purposes. It was free labor. The war that is known as the Civil War and Abraham Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln did not like, oh, that's amazing. We Are we getting that? <laughs> hey, we got to keep that. <laughs> Sorry, my alarm's off. <laughs> that's all right. That was alarm going off about what I was about to say. Perfect timing. Yeah, so, <laughs> oh my goodness! Feel like you get on the get in the uh, airport. Everybody, please turn your phones <laughs> off. Um, so, <laughs> so about uh, the Civil War is we were taught that Abraham Lincoln was like the greatest president of the United States because mm-hmm. he freed slaves. Abraham Lincoln wasn't that fond of black people, quite as it's kept. Abraham true, Lincoln actually did his own research to see if he can send all of our black asses back to Africa. Unfortunately, it wasn't economically viable. Mm-mm. So what he did was for the sake, the sake of the union. Now, the South was mad because they realized the North wanted in on some of that free labor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because the South was agricultural and you had black people tilling the land economically the cotton the sugar the tobacco the north became industrial right but Mm -hmm. you still needed people to do things Mm -hmm. so under the auspice of morality uh abraham lincoln said we're gonna free these people when in reality uh they wanted in on a heist so to bring that full circle economics then became economics today meaning Black people get became freed from slavery, but then a lot of people, when they were freed, were still tied to the land via sharecropping. My grandfather mm-hmm. was a sharecropper. So short for, in short order form, sharecropping was, all right, we'll give you some credit, <laughs> kind of like today. Mm-hmm. You can till the land, and then once you settle up, then we'll give you your profit. If there's profit. Right, because there's never, profit. There never profit. So mm-hmm. black people were still upside down. Mm-hmm. Um, so bringing it back to black uh, Tulsa and wall street and, and, and why can't we resurrect it? A lot of times black people don't trust the economic system of the United States to be fair. And that includes capitalism. Now I have some friends who subscribe to socialism, communism, and all of the isms. I consider myself a true free market capitalist, meaning if you build a better mousetrap, you should benefit. However, in America, Black person builds the better mousetrap, they usually take the material and say they built the better mousetrap or invalidate your background about the theory of the mousetrap. Or if you're running Mousetrap University, then they try to invalidate you running the school. Kind of see what I did there without saying that. I saw that. I saw that. that. (laughs) So your thoughts on that? So to your point, you're saying that is it is is the problem is, is why we can't do a Black Wall Street, because the resources that are should be accessible to us are not set up for us to be sustainable on our own. Correct. It's always making to us codependent. So if you look at um, any type of um, financial agreement you go into with a bank, or if you are looking at credit that you need for your business, it's all set up to make sure that you are connected to some entity that makes profit off of if you succeed or not. Correct. To me, it's modern day sharecropping. 
Mm-hmm. Because there's there's so many times you're going around in circles that you're not able to be successful because you're not able to get a profit. Correct. We have a lot of businesses that have been started. Um, one thing I love about a lot of these businesses, they were started during the pandemic. Okay. Mm-hmm. Everybody, I mean, TikTok blew up and people are now advertising their stuff on TikTok and different places like that. Sure. But most businesses don't turn a profit in the first three years. Correct. Know? So you have to be sustainable for three years. And is the model set up for the, us to be sustainable? You know, it's wonderful. They're fine with us having, and I'm not coming for anybody when I say this, they're fine for us having our TikTok businesses mm-hmm. because that money is not affecting what's going on. Right. If when we start owning property and start owning things, if you looked at those that have went to own networks, went to own other conglomerate corporations, if you looked at the attack on that character that came right after it or while they mm-hmm. were doing it, you will see that there has been a systematic setup to make sure that you break down the person before they get to a, a level of success. Because you know how we were raised, and um, not everyone was raised the same way, mm-hmm. but when, you're, when you are brought to the table, mm-hmm. you don't just eat, you bring somebody else to the table. Correct. Just like when one person came up from the south to the north, they were taken care of by a family member that was already in the north to make sure they got a job. Sure, they sure. got they lived with them till they were able to stand on their own two feet. That mentality uh, in some families has been passed down to have that same thing in business. So if I make it to the table, it's not just me eating. I'm going to make sure that more people that look like me are sitting around the table. Would you bring up a good point? Um, the thing is, we don't see enough examples of successful black businesses out of the range of entertainment, sports, mm-hmm. and a few other arenas. Okay, mm-hmm. so point. There are plenty of examples of successful black businesses. Like, but how many people know, for instance, about Reginald Lewis? What he did in mm-hmm. the eighties, mm-hmm. you know, true first black billionaire. But we know about LeBron. No shade. Right. Right. We don't know about the full story of John Johnson, but we know about Jay-Z. Like, great Mm -hmm. example, John Johnson, when he bought the building for Ebony that was on Michigan, he had to dress up as a janitor to get in, to get to the top floor, to have a white person help him make that deal. Mm -hmm. Right? So we don't talk about that. But the other part of business that we don't, for lack of better words, support is we don't support what we don't understand. And I think there's a lot of lack of understanding about businesses. Mm-hmm. So I think everyone has seen these memes where someone will say, oh, if someone got hired by a job, it'll get a thousand likes. If someone starts their own business, they get 10. One of the reasons we have difficulties resurrecting a black bi- a, a black Wall Street or a black business district, and I'm sorry, y'all, but I'm going to say it in lieu of uh, the brother Dr. Martin Luther King coming up. Don't worry, I'm not going to do it again. We don't economically support ourselves. True. Very true. You know, um, I've watched and and I've been guilty of it, too, but I try to be better. So McDonald's can screw up your order. Mm -hmm. You don't go on Yelp. You don't go in there and say McDonald's as a corporation sucks. Mm -hmm. They messed up my nuggets. But our business messes up one time and we go in. And my Mm -hmm. thing is business is difficult. So that's a teachable moment. Instead of saying, you know, your business sucks, go, hey, you know, you messed up my order. You know, can we talk about it? Blah, blah, blah. You know. Well, some, and I, to that point, I do agree. But then there's some businesses that you have, which I love supporting my people, 
but you've got to have the skills necessary to sustain when you're dealing with the public. True. Give an example. Um, you know, there was recently a TikTok person named Keith Lee who went on a tour and he went on a tour, a food tour to different cities and he went to Atlanta and he had a very interesting experience with some of the restaurants in Atlanta. Now I'm not coming for you, Atlanta. Y'all, I, I'm not at all, but some of the responses from the businesses in Atlanta was very haughty to me, very much like, well, who are you? But your reputation, especially in the industry of food, mm-hmm. is how you pay your bills. Correct. So if your reputation is the service is bad, the food is, mm, you're not going to get people back. Mm-hmm, true. And so when I'm not saying that you just cater to every, you know, oh, he's here, you give him special treatment. But what what are you looking at your customers? Are you looking at your customers that like every customer that comes in is like a Keith Lee or everybody customer is a high level? I tell my staff all the time, any email you send should be able to be read by the president of the institution. Mm-hmm. So if we have to have that kind of mindset. And so I do agree that we, sh- we do not give grace to businesses if we have one bad experience. But it's also some of these business responsibility to take the time to say, I just started a business. No, take right. the time to educate yourself to understand how to handle business and understand your demographics and what are you doing to make sure that when those issues come up, you don't just cut off comments. Which brings up a good point. And another reason why black businesses struggle is there is a novelty factor mm. with us that those of us who started a black business want to go, hey, support me because I'm a black business. I'm going to support you because you're black. But the other half of that is the word business. Correct. You have to have good customer service. Mm-hmm. Right. So we have tr- we have been trained sociologically and economically as black people to believe the following. And when I say this. Whoever hears this is going to hit them. We literally say the worse the neighborhood, the worse the service, the better the food. Yes. So, for instance, in Chicago, if the Heralds is in what we deem a bad neighborhood with bulletproof glass, we think it's better. Right. Mm -hmm. Which we laugh. But think about that just subconsciously. That's bad. And then some of us don't know how to serve just in service. Like. I own multiple businesses myself and I still have to provide service. I still have to follow through because Mm -hmm. while I'm a black business, I can't then turn around and give bad service and then say, oh, it's because I'm a black business. You hating on me. No, the service was basura. (laughs) It was trash. Mm -hmm. So I think those are things that play into it. And then lastly, far as why I think we struggle with redeveloping that is we don't take pride in what we do past the money we make at that moment. So it's like, I need the money now. But the thing is, how are you developing a business so that your kids can have something to pass on? Because from an economic perspective, we're so far behind that, you know, the average white family has six figures from generation to generation. So you multiply that. It's easy to have wealth. Mm -hmm. When we go back to slavery, we still didn't get our 40 acres of a mule. Mm -hmm. So moving forward, how many of us have money? that they can pass on or a business or something to pass on to their kids. So all of that plays a part in, in, in why our black businesses struggle. And then lastly, well, kind of uh, addendum to that point, this new generation, when I say this new generation, I'm going to include Gen Z, uh, Gen Alpha. They've seen what we went through because mm-hmm. we went to school, went to college, got the good job. Then we still struggle. Mm-hmm. Why am I going to go get myself in debt mm-hmm. to go get the good job, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to use this internet business 
And I don't get mad at them. A lot of people are like, well, that's not bad. Hey, if it's legal, I'm all for it, moral and ethically. But the problem is we're still not pivoting into business districts. So my thing is, personally, like where I live in Chicago, there's literally a strip of eight chicken spots within a mile. Mm-hmm. Popeyes, Harold's, Sharks, Kentucky Fried Chicken, Wingstop. How much chicken do we need? Right. But you see this prototypical businesses in black neighborhoods, a fried food spot, a liquor store, hair spots, um, a non-African-American owned operated businesses, insert hair, so on and so forth. Phone spots, currency exchanges and churches. I can take any black neighborhood almost in the United States and I can guarantee you I can find those archetypes. So how are we developing, for instance, better restaurants? Like one of the things that I've literally reached out to my alderman about is how do we get better eating options? So like I'm a healthier person. I mean, I like my heroes like everybody else, but where's the non-fried food option after eight o'clock? Right. Maybe I want a salad. Maybe I want something, but I got to go north to get that. Right. What about better quality restaurants to sit down and eat in? Right where there is an opportunity for service, right? What about other black businesses? I mean, what made Black Wall Street interesting was a neighborhood is based on people who live there and businesses that support that neighborhood. So an accounting, accountant, a doctor, dentist, all the things that we need, we don't see us doing them, right? That's not to say people aren't trying because people are going to school in all these fields but how come we don't see it? And I think, again, going back to lack of support, lack of proper service training, and then lack of availability is why we don't get it. And when we do get business districts, it seems like everybody else benefits off of it. And I'll conclude this point on this. When I got into economic development, mm-hmm. it made me go back and watch Do the Right Thing, one of my favorite movies. But when mm-hmm. you look at the economic development impetus of that movie, like <clears throat> Sal's Pizzeria grew up in the neighborhood, right? Mm-hmm. Supported by black people. The whole argument then becomes like there's no black people in the restaurant, right? So that's the conversation. Mm-hmm. Like this is our neighborhood, but then what do you tell the non-black person that is a part of the neighborhood? Then he tells uh, my man Bugging Out, go open your own pizzeria. Could Bugging Out open his own pizzeria? No. But then there's another scene in there where Robin Harris, rest in peace, and they're talking about the corner store owner, how, mm-hmm. you know, you th- this you can come over here and open the store, this, that, and the third. But then the question becomes, have you tried to open the store? You know, so these themes have been around us, but we often don't talk about them because we're so fascinated with race that we forget the economic impact they're in behind it. I'm, I'm happy that you brought up about opening up the uh, any type of store. And I think one other point, point, sorry, point that we have not addressed is where society has changed. We have changed from brick and mortar to online. Mm -hmm. If you think about anybody understands Amazon was around, yes, before the pandemic, but their stock and their availability and reach expanded to heights that we had never seen before because everybody was ordering from online. Everybody realized that they could get something from online and didn't have to go into an actual physical store. Mm -hmm. Um, Some people have developed feelings about going to in particular stores because the impact of COVID. Okay. So when you look at that now, it's like, can we have a, a, a black district like that with brick and mortar buildings when people are not opening up buildings? Why? They don't have to worry about the overhead. They don't have to worry about 
um, uh, actually having somebody manage. They can do it on their time schedule when they want to. There's a lot of things. And this is not just the black community. This is just businesses and period are being impacted by that. We're seeing the closure of a lot of stores and places and different things. I went to look for, um, a store that I frequent all the time and I didn't realize they had closed, but I realized I hadn't been there in a year either. So, um, but that is happening. So now we have a lot of businesses that are starting by African-American black, but they're not doing brick and mortar. A lot of reasons why I can go into credit. I can go into the ability to have the uh, uh, disposable income that they feel they need to do it. Some people or just some people just have fear. They don't want to go out there and do it because they're concerned about the support. So I'll start small and just doing this online thing and I can just get it done. Sure. I think though, <clears throat> black people will always prefer brick and mortar in my personal opinion, because we're, we're what I call experiential people, right? We love the experience. It's a reason why people record themselves on social media, walking into Gucci Louis Vuitton because mm-hmm. we love that 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 speaks to us and I think that speaks to us from a position of lack and once you get in a position of can do you want that I think uh, certain things still require face to face like you bring up a good point Amazon is great for ordering stuff that you can kind of order off the cuff you know what I'm saying like all right I know my size I know my I know this brand mm-hmm. well great example I wouldn't recommend ordering a suit or a dress off Amazon, like unless you really know your size, because while it works, it's shipped from a different place. If it's shipped from different places, those sizes have different implications, right? Um, in terms of your point of brick and mortar, of course, there's barriers to anybody opening a business. But I think in our case, sometimes subconsciously, we also fear the lack of support. One of the things I've done in in my music career and a few other things is when you develop a business, you have to get past what I personally call the three F's. And there's a curse word coming, so get ready. Friends, family, and who you're fucking. So those are the three groups that initially support you, right? Like your parents, your close friends, the boo, right? So whatever. It's like, all right, my bae's out here selling popcorn. No shade. I'm just using that as an example, right? So, you know, support my bae. We selling XX Popcorn, right? Mm-hmm. So your mom's and them, that's my 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 little son, whatever, what, my daughter. You know, your close friends, your right hands, and then mm-hmm. bae going to support it. How do you get to that fourth level, right? Mm-hmm. One of the other parts that also like bringing up about why black businesses struggle is because sometimes people don't want to see the business in you versus the personal you, right? That is true. So it's like, oh, I know Tracy since she grew up in high school. But Tracy is charging $50 for popcorn. You like, I ain't finna buy no popcorn from Tracy for no $50, but you will turn around and go spend 50 at Garrett's. But I'm gonna call her for the hookup to give me a discount, the friends and family discount. You took my next point, exactly. Because <laughs> Tracy, I grew up with you, so why don't you give it to right. me for like 15 bucks? Even though it cost me $30 to make the popcorn, ship the popcorn, and package said popcorn. So we want it for the free, right? But as as I've gone through this as a photographer with one of my businesses, people, my rates are my rates. I'm not cheap, just for the record. I'm not cheap, but good ain't cheap. So people will say, well, you cost too much. I can go to Sears. We'll go to Sears. Well, Sears is closed, but you get my point. Mm-hmm. Um, I had an incident recently where a client tried to lowball me. And they were like, oh, well, I can get it for 
40% off. Well, as a good consumer, we'll go with that. That consumer came back to me and showed me the photos and was offended. Uh, I have what I call in my contracts a DAF. <clears throat> DAF stands for dumbass fee. So if I talk to you and then you got to come back to me because you didn't listen, I'm marking it up. I'm marking it up 35, 45%. Because if you listen to me, you wouldn't be here. But because you wanted the hookup where you thought you could find better in this case, and cheaper isn't always better because, you know, I'll get people who will be like, oh, I need photos tomorrow. Oh, I'm charging you exponentially. If I got to stop what I'm doing, it don't matter what I'm doing. I could be asleep. I could be watching Netflix. But you want my time and my professionalism that's going to cost. But we as black people have this pseudo bougie mentality. <laughs> that we 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 bout it we we form we this that and the third till it's time to pay for it and then when we got to pay each other for it then it's like i ain't paying tracy for no popcorn woo out the band with the little rail rock back and forth which again you will go to someone else that don't look like you that you don't know and will pay for it we have to get past that because what we don't understand about our friends businesses mm -hmm. is this is how they subsist and take care of themselves this is how we develop districts. This is how we move our money back around in our community. And that's the point to me. I, I have many friends that have businesses and I've used them for personal and professional. And what I pay personally is the same thing I pay professionally. So when I say professionally is some of y'all know I work at a university. And so I have, if I know you're qualified, I know you're capable. I know your reputation because one thing before I put you on, and and I, when I say you own, it's not like a prideful thing. But before I put you on any atmosphere that I'm in, I have to vouch you for you. I mm -hmm. have to make sure that you ain't going to mess up my name. Mm -hmm. So if I put you on to something, I want your rate. I always tell them, don't give me your discounted rate. Don't give me your rate because we cool. Mm -hmm. What's your rate? And so my thing has been to try to bring in businesses, minority-owned businesses, to the university because we have an initiative. When I heard about that initiative, <laughs> I thought it was the wrong person to hear about it because I was like, oh, that's an initiative? Okay. Hey, I, I started putting people in. Give me your information. Give me your information because I want to make sure that um, I'm going to treat you just like I treat everybody else. I'm going to make sure you paid on time. I'm going to make sure that you have your agreement. I'm going to make sure that you have everything you're supposed to because I believe in your business. It's not a black business. You're a business. You just happen to be black. And the only reason I know you're black because I talk to you. Sometimes we we have businesses that identify us as black. Sometimes we have businesses that don't. Mm -hmm. And our actions and stuff identify as black. I'm not coming for you with that, but just mm -hmm. saying. Um, but I did want to wrap back around to you one point that you made too. When you talked about that we like the brick and mortar. I'm contrary to that. Mm. I don't like going into stores. Mm. Um I, I didn't like this growing up. I don't like shopping. I'm literally a quick shop person. Like I'll go in a store and I have a vision of what I'm looking for and I can scan the store and I don't see what I'm looking for. Can I verbalize what I'm looking for? Not at all. But I like unique things. So a lot of times I will order from different places and different things because nobody will have that, especially mm -hmm. the combination I have. So a lot of times I do more of my in-person shopping out of state or country. Mm -hmm. So you'll always, if you ever travel with me, you'll have a listing of black owned businesses that I want to support. Mm -hmm. um, especially a lot of traveling I did right after, um, right in the middle, I guess, when we're getting toward the end of COVID to, to after COVID. I went to businesses, black businesses, just to pour into them because I know they were struggling, especially mm -hmm. with brick and mortars that had to close sure. down. 
Um, but I'm not that person. So you still got to kind of cater to me as well as sure. a consumer. And if I have to wait 15, 20 days for my package, because mm. you put me, you gave me my slip that said it was shipped, but mm-hmm. it ain't been shipped yet. You know, like there are certain things. And so I, I'm not coming for businesses, but I think that there are some things, there's expectations that I have. I feel that if you tell me that we have a three to five shipping day process, I'm going to hold you the same accountable way that I hold Amazon or Absolutely. Walmart. So if, if I give Amazon the business, I give you the business. But it's not for one mistake. If you communicate with me like anybody's business will, I work. But I'm just not that person that always going to go in stores. So if you have an online component, you're more likely to get me. So for people that are like me, a black Wall Street wouldn't even work because my transactions are all online. I disagree to some degree, okay. point intended, because you're right. You People shop based on comfort. Mm-hmm. But this also gets into kind of the challenges to these black districts. So for one, we can we can go into a whole nother podcast about systematic barriers and historical injustices, things like that. But one of the biggest things is access to capital and financial resources. And why that's important is, well, how does that tie to your shopping experience? There are certain things, for instance, you buy, you can buy in person. I mean, online. There's some things you just got to buy in person, right? One of the things that I always laugh about is knowing everyone likes shopping online till it's time to buy underwear. <laughs> mm, gotcha. <laughs> like, yo, I get a lot of things on Amazon. I'm not getting drawers <laughs> or boxes on Amazon. <laughs> you know Especially when you know people can return them things. Yeah, they be like, no, nah, we yeah. ain't doing that. You know, you know, they got pre-certified cars. <laughs> I don't want pre-certified drawers. You know right, what I'm saying? Right, right. Gotcha, <laughs> it's just gotcha. not gonna work. <laughs> But one of the other things is, and this is intriguing to me about business too, is what I call the supply chain of development of business. Mm-hmm. So for instance, most people don't, can't find a black owned bank, mm-hmm. you know, and it's kind of pivoting away from what you were saying a bit. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, if there are, there are not enough of them. So mm-hmm. if you really wanted to support a completely black experience, gotcha. it's almost impossible Killer Mike had did this special that was on Netflix a couple of years ago about just trying to work just black businesses. And it was almost impossible, you know, and and that is important because when we say we want to support black businesses, I often ask to what level do you want to? And usually you get a weird face like, well, I want to support black businesses to what level? Right. Because are you willing to support to the, in the sense of I want to say I do it or it's something I want to do or are you as hardcore about it? And the truth of the matter is a lot of us aren't hardcore about it because especially in things like fashion, we don't support local until they become big or we don't support a brand until it becomes mm-hmm. big. Black people are what I call extreme consumers. We're not pioneering consumers at all. We're mm-hmm. pioneering in creation, but we're not pioneer consumers at all. Mm-hmm. So I'll give you a personal example that I've seen over the years is too. In the early 2000s, Manolo Blahniks were around and it's a woman's shoe. And it was about four or $500 a shoe. Mm-hmm. Beyonce mentions it, two stacks. Jay-Z drops it, now it becomes a conversation piece. Mm-hmm. Fast forward 15, 20 years later, people know me personally. I'm a cologne collector. Creed has been around since 18-something, probably even longer. Mm-hmm. minute it becomes discussed in rap circles, the price goes up. Mm-hmm. So as black people... We popularize something as a consumer, but we don't benefit from it. You know what I'm saying? 
with us, it's like until it's on something or it's big, it's like you could be a fashion designer. You could have went to school for it, done everything. But until a celebrity rocks it, I don't respect it because it's just Tracy. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And that's the part that I get frustrated with black businesses. Or it's kind of like, all right, I'm going to go to a little art fair and buy these little art pieces to say that I bought it. But are you spreading the word? You know what I'm saying? Are you sharing it with the same integrity and intensity and intentionality that you did, you know, the mess on the Internet? No. You know, so again, if we're going to talk about black business, we got to talk about making them survive and thrive, you know, because February is coming up. So it's Black History Month. So again, Target has already got their section set up. So now everybody's about to be talking about black businesses, black this, black that, black that. And then come March 1st, you're already thinking about St. Patty's Day. No shade. Well, kind of shade, but, you know, it's cold outside. So there you have it. But that's the point that I tell people about black business. It's like if you're not intentional, then, you know, I've you mentioned because of COVID, all businesses close, a lot of businesses, but black businesses close faster. They do. Because we don't support them. And then when they close, we have this, oh, my God, how did that happen? I've seen this from uh food establishments to even in my other community that I'm in as a skater like a black owned rink closed in the Chicagoland area about seven eight years ago when it closed everybody wanted to come out I purposely didn't come because my thing is it's a fake show of interest it's mm-hmm. like now you're like well why don't we have these things and I missed it but when it was open you didn't support it but now that it's closed as well as me and we do that way too often you know, so the barriers, while we have economic barriers, we have financial barriers, we have our own psychological barriers too to overcome mm. that we can't support black businesses when we're told to support it. My thing is find a business you really support. And if it's black, support it, pour into it because we support everybody else. Mm-hmm. Like the GDP of black people, gross domestic product is in the trillions. If black people stopped spending money for one day, we would turn the world upside down. Could you imagine the fashion industry of black people did not buy for one day? Chickens will probably be happy. They'll live. Uh, (laughs) Could you imagine if we didn't partake in buying cars, right? Mm -hmm. Can you imagine if black people didn't buy liquor for one weekend, Mm -hmm. what that would do? But again, as the kids say, that's a conversation y'all not ready for. But truth of the matter is, we don't want to sacrifice enough to prove the point that we want to grow, is my concluding point. Well, let's have that conversation real quick, because I know we're coming to the end of this episode. But yeah, we we don't want to, but we need to. Like, come on now. Like, are we really ready to invest in, in us? Mm-hmm. You know? We invest our money in everything else. You know, we've made so many brands popular. Mm-hmm. Like you said, when you talked about Creed and the other things, we have we have raised the value to these companies to know they can get our money, but don't even respect us. Oh, I'm sorry, they did respect us. They sent out a notification to George Floyd about how much they believed in Black Lives Matter in the emails and clogged my emails up, mm-hmm. you know, but but then but now it's quiet now because there's no George Floyd situation going on. My thing is that we have to understand what our dollar our dollar means something. So where we invest our dollar, mm-hmm. you know, speaks to not just oh this is my dollar, but this speaks into who we are. 
you know, um, I, I, I am big about how companies talk and have conversations. So I'll say this real quick. This is not a company, but this is a university. I was getting my PhD at one institution and I was in the program and I was hashtag life flex. Continue. (laughs) I was getting my PhD and the university president started talking about Trump and wonderful things with Trump and aligning a lot of his ideologies around what Trump said that was disparaging to blacks. And I remember I was in like a decision mode, like, well, I'm kind of halfway through this program. What should I do? Mm-hmm. And I unenrolled. And they reached out to me several times, like, why are you unenrolling? I was like, because of the stance of the president. And people were like, well, you're halfway through your program. Just finish your program. I'm not giving another dollar, another dime to some place that don't value me as a black person. And that's the th- mindset we need to have. I was a certain part of my program. Yes, it would have been easy to um, finish the program. Would be done now as well, you know? Did I spend some money that I won't recoup back? Yes. But my ability to stand behind an institution that I'll be called an alumni of mm-hmm. is a different thing. Yeah. So I'll conclude with this <clears throat> for the young folk out here, because I ain't that young these days. If you look at the bus boycott, it lasted for over a year. Mm-hmm. The bus boycott wouldn't exist today because people would be on IG like, man, I ain't finna support that if it ain't going to support me. Those people went out of their way and chose to do that Mm -hmm. because it meant something to them. Today's generation, and this includes all of us, are not willing to sacrifice consistently and stand on those morals because deep down we don't believe what we say we believe Mm -hmm. enough to stand on it. So. If we're going to move forward as a people with economic development and developing a, a black Wall Street, I will conclude with a quote from the rapper Fonte. Do you really want to win or just look good losing? Mm. So, as we said this, and as always, a mic drop when he gives his last words. So, you know, it's kind of hard to follow up after that, <laughs> as y'all will see. But to the point of this is, um, this is our belief about the black Wall Street. Prove me wrong. Prove us wrong. I would love for you to prove me wrong. I would love for it to be established. These are the things that we see as obstacles of why it can't happen. But prove me wrong. I, I would be happy to come back on this podcast and say, we have a Black Wall Street. It's in this neighborhood and promote the heck out of it and say we have accomplished what we thought we could accomplish 100, 100 plus years later. Mm-hmm. But prove me wrong. If we can unify, if we can go through all these things, the obstacles, and able to come and look at these obstacles as a community and overcome them. And just the last piece to add on that, if there are Black Wall Streets or equivalents that exist, drop them in the comments. Tell me where they are. We want to know where they're at, mm-hmm. how long they've been existing, and why they and how they've done it. You know, every while we issue a challenge, you know, we admit we don't know everything. So if they're True. existing, please, when you see this episode, drop them in the comments. Let us know. For people who work in economic development or just in these communities, let us know and we will, you know, we will address it and get it out to other people. I'm coming. I'm coming there. <laughs> I want to see it. Facts. I want to experience <laughs> it. I want to try some some dollars there. Facts. Because that means so much to me. Uh, if anybody understand, I'm always want us to push about what we do as people. And so if I can sow a seed into a Black Wall Street, 
the legacy of Tulsa, the legacy of other areas, because Tulsa is just one area mm-hmm. that we call Black Wall Street because of the size of it and what occurred. But there were other sustainable era, eras, areas sorry, throughout the United States that we don't even know about. True. And so um, I would love to see it. So I want to say thank you so much. I'm so happy we got our first episode down with mm-hmm. um, Dr. Stewart as our co-host. But Thank you for tuning in to They Ain't Ready. You can follow us on Facebook at They Ain't Ready as well as on Instagram at They Ain't Ready underscore podcast. And we're also on YouTube. Come on, subscribe. We're going to have some extra content on our YouTube page as well as um, have some more subscriptions on our Apple and Spotify. So please make sure you subscribe. And as we leave out, remember to keep having those conversations that many are not ready to have, but they're going to have today. Make them uncomfortable. Yes. Talk to y'all later. Bye. This mic, this life, and this game is mine. Yep, it's my time. Pick this mic, dominant intelligence is prominent. Dropping all sorts of ill gems on your conscience. Many years, I lay patient, just waiting, just building, just laying. The perfect foundation for this ill structure. Now I run the court similar to the ruckus.